This is New England Patriots running back and three-time Super Bowl champion James White. You're listening to the two-minute drill. What's going on, guys? We are back for another episode. And we got a little bit of breaking news today. NFL kind of hit today with a lot of players opting out of their contracts due to COVID-19. And one particular name for the New England Patriots is Dan Vitale has decided to opt out this season due to a newborn baby coming. I believe it's September. I know it's coming pretty soon, but either way, newborn baby. big, uh, Pretty big hit to the Patriots offense. You know, James Devlin retiring over the offseason. How do you boys think that the Patriots are going to overthrow that? Uh, well, fortunately, Jakob Johnson is with the team. Like We do have another fullback on the roster, and he did get a couple starts last season. I don't think the gap between him and Vitale is huge, but obviously the big hit is that now we're down to one fullback. And as we saw last year, we can go through those pretty quick and we don't even have, you know, a Landon Roberts to fall back on if Jakob Johnson did get hurt. So we really got to hope he stays healthy. I agree with what Dan said. I, uh, it's good that we have Jakob Johnson and he's that he has a couple games starting under his belt last year. So he has some, uh, he has some experience there, but I was pretty excited to see what Vital was going to bring to our offense because he's uh he could have been used as like a kind of gadget weapon because he's kind of, he's got some decent speed. He's got hands out of the backfield, and my uh, good buddy's a Packers fan. He's told me a lot of good things about him, so I was excited to see what he could bring to us. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait next year, but we'll see. See, it's kind of interesting because the Patriots. I honestly thought before all our keen opting out was that the Patriots were going to try to run that. Similar offense to the 49ers at RPO, and I thought that Keen was the perfect fit with, or Vital, sorry, was a perfect fit with that, along with Dalton Keen. So it's going to be interesting, but we do, we did draft Dalton Keen in the third round. So, I mean, he's a fullback slash tight end. I did see a report earlier saying that undrafted tight end Jake Burt also has experience playing fullback. So it's going to be interesting to see what Belichick can pull up. Maybe you can bring out like Mike Allstart or something back from retirement from 2002. But, I mean, also, I do want to touch on this. I did see a report that Adam's voice, Sonny Michelle, might not be cleared for um, training camp, which means, especially with COVID, because he has to get in there with the COVID test. So that means that Damian Harris will be your starting running back week one. Adam, how do you feel about that? <laughs> you just dropped a bombshell on me, dude. I was so not aware of this. What's wrong with Sony, bro? What is he not I- being cleared for? This foot surgery. Oh my God! There's just what's one thing after another with this guy, man. That's how tweeted at seven eighteen p.m. It is still uncertain if Sony Michelle will be cleared in time for the start of practice. Per source, Michelle had foot surgery in May. His status remains up in the air. And I'm sorry, but if he was getting a touch up on that foot, and now it's like almost August first, Damian Harris time, baby, time to move <sighs> on. That's not a good sign at all, and like you said, you, I'm I'm very known for being a big Sony guy over the last couple of years, but it's just one thing after another with this guy, and it's honestly really looking like it's going to be Damian Harris's year to take the crown because this guy Sony can't stay on the field for his life right now. That, that stinks, it's a very though. Good day. It's a very uh, good day. I uh, don't really appreciate day. you dropping that bombshell on me right now. I'm on the spot, dude. I'm shaking right now. It's my guy. <laughs> I saved it. On, I saved it on purpose just for you. <laughs> so while we while we let Adam get a few minutes to cope, we're gonna. Last week we got the honor to interview with the Footwork King. He has 
in uh, he has worked out players like Nikhil Harry this offseason. He's worked with Mohamed Sanu. He's previously worked out with Odell Beckham. He's worked out with a lot of cornerbacks. So here's the uh, 20-minute interview for that, and then we'll get right back into our podcast. What's going on, guys? We are back with another episode of the Two Minute Drill. Today we have our first and very special guest, guest Rashad Whitfield. Um, he is a trainer and he works at wide receivers, defensive back, and basically every position you can name in the book. How's it going, man? Uh, pretty good, man. How are you? I'm good. So, got a few questions for you, of course. Number one, how's the training been going on this year with COVID 19? I mean, you've got extra time to work with wide receivers and defensive backs. Yeah, it's been going extra busy, man. Uh, ever since uh, March, uh, I've been busy uh, with the guys from my draft. You know, I got some guys I've been working with since high school, like uh, C.D. Lamb and Courtney Davis and Shea Will and Lua and uh, Caleb Von Chyson. So, you know, working with them guys, got Aina Harrison Hand and uh, Graylin Arnold. So I've been, having, I've been busy in March. Uh, I usually don't work with my pro guys to, like, maybe – Maybe uh, beginning of May, but since the COVID, everybody's came in early. Yep. So um, this has been a really hectic uh, – it's been busy for me because, you know, they can't go to the training facilities, man. So I've been working with uh, – you know, Dave McGurman came back in town. He just left to go back to Chicago. Uh, we've been working out four years now. Um, Jay McKinnon went back to San Fran. So, I mean, all my boys are – Miko Hartman went back to KC. So uh, they're all back, headed back to their, uh, their cities now just, and just kind of – Work out there until it's time for them to. All right, coming from, yeah, I have a question. Coming from Houston and all that, right? I got to know is there an inner motivation and an outer motivation? Like, what drives you? I want to know. Because you, uh, you seem to work very hard. I know you did that, the three golden rules. You said laser yeah. focus, show urgency, finish strong. So, like, it takes a powerful and strong minded individual to achieve things like that. I don't know. I tell people all the time. Like, Richard Sherman said it was a gift. He's like, dude, you're just gifted because you're always high energy. I've been watching you for years. The things you come up with are, like, it's functional and applicable to the game. But there's nothing better. Is like, you see somebody you've been working with all offseason and that they did okay the season before, or even if they did good, and you just watch it just take off the next season. You know, when I watch football, I watch a lot of movement. Like, you know, a lot of people watch the big catches and the big runs. But I can watch, like, for instance, I'll watch Le'Veon, I trained Le'Veon for the last five years. He's the best my boy. Like, I can watch Le'Veon take outside. He'll take a, uh, there's a stretch play to the outside. You might try to cut back. And if you don't get there in time before the hole closes, I can automatically see what happened. Probably step too wide. You know what I mean? His feet are, feet are outside his body frame or his feet stop moving, you know, or, you know, the angle he took. Like, it's just like his eyes weren't there or his eyes were there, but his hips didn't follow. I mean, it's like I, I can just see it. it it's just, the game is real slow to me, you know. Um, and just watching them, you know, working those guys and watching them like on Sundays is just huge. Even my my younger kids, high school kids, my college guys, you know, I just got I got a different outlook on uh, on football, man. It's just I, I just I love it. <laughs> uh, real good at it. And, uh, and I just see things different differently, you know. I'm really outside of the box, not real cookie cutter with things, um, but. You know, football is all about movement, man. And, um, you know, I, I, I live myself as somebody who trains movement based on whatever position I have to play. So, uh, you know, in the NFL, guys, it's, uh, it's a lot more quicker. It's a lot more demanding. And, uh, I don't know, this stuff like that just kind of drives me. And I got a lot of I got a lot of big-time dudes that depend on me too, man. You know, but when I got them, I know exactly what to do. 
I know exactly what to work on. I know exactly what they need each and every session. So that's probably why I stay so busy. And I probably why I train so many pro guys at different positions. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of guys just, just focus on one thing. But, uh, you know, football play with your feet. So I'll take care of that part, man. Uh, big guys yeah, like Danelle like Hunter <laughs> to little guys like uh, smaller guys like like, like uh, Jared McKinnon and stuff like that, running back. So, uh, it's cool so, to that work leads, so that leads me into my next question. Just a little background on us. Uh, we're a Patriots fan base. So we've seen recently this offseason that you started working out with Nikhil Harry. Yeah. And the report about Nikhil Harry was, you know, first round, uh, first round draft pick, you know, great hands, physical body. But the problem with him this uh, last past season was his footwork. And obviously, right away, you know, offseason ends, he probably hears those rumblings. So what does he do? He finds you. So can you tell us a little bit about Nikhil's progress and oh, how he's been the, doing ever since? That was the best thing that he – the best thing that Nikhil <laughs> – like, I told Nikhil, go, Nikhil, we got to stop working on your things you're already good at. We know you can catch the ball. We know you're big. We know you're physical. All right, but you got a DB in front of you, bro. You can't bully these dudes, you know. <laughs> I train – I train, like, uh, maybe 10 of the top DBs in the league. They're not going to let you bully them. I'm like, you got to move them with your feet and beat them with your hands. It's all about release separation. And he got, he has to follow the mode of Sanu. Sanu is mm -hmm. one of the best at it, y'all. And Sanu is big like him. You know, he was really heavy-footed. You know, he dropped a lot, got a little bit too wide uh, of that at that point. So we've been working on straight release quickness, straight suddenness, straight foot speed. Because I know once we get that down, he has it down now. He can, he'll be able to get even and then use his body. You know, Absolutely. so because the Sanu comparison, like you just brought up, because I know that Sanu um, linked actually with Sanu, the one that helped or uh, linked up Harry with you, because I know Sanu, yeah, like you yeah. said, is like legit, I would say, top yeah, three Sanu best runners in the game. I mean, Devontae oh, yeah. Adams, Keenan Allen, Muhammad Sanu. I don't think there's any yeah. question about who has the best like seat in the restaurant in the game. I, I like you a lot because <laughs> I almost argued with Chris Sims with his top 10. I'm like, dude, what in the world? Dude, Mike Thomas ain't like I'm like Mike Thomas is good. He's very good, mm -hmm. but he gets a bunch of targets, so he's yeah, supposed to have. Yeah. You know, I'm like Mike Thomas is good, but he can't do that stuff. To Odell, I train Odell too. You, like yeah. Odell, them dudes do crazy. Keenan, Odell, Slay. I mean, uh, uh, Sanu, Mike, Devontae, They're just different. You know, and Sanu is always top five of mine, man. The dude, they're different you, breed. Different breed, man. Sanu release quickness. He just. He's very tempo, just like he's just gliding. And his route running is unreal. And he's physical. Especially when with the workout that Sanu has done this year. I think I've never – I've been following Sanu since the Cincinnati days and a little bit yeah. of the Rutgers days, but I've never seen Muhammad Sanu train more in my entire life than he has this offseason. Ever since you come to New England, you know, that like you get a little doubt because he didn't perform the way everyone wanted him to. But I think – Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, let me tell you something. New England, y'all go, go out to Super Bowl. Let me tell you why. <laughs> let me tell you why I think. Y'all already got a good, good coaching. Y'all, y'all got a good, good team, very good team. Uh, but the Cam Newton that I can, I need, I, I know now, dude. I'm telling y'all, dude, he's it's seeking destroy. Like, 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 uh, the other backup kid, uh, Stidham, Stidham mm -hmm. don't want, he don't want no part of Cam right now. I'm like, <laughs> Cam is on. I'm telling you, Cam. I talked to Odell about it. Cam is like, if you watch him, he posting every workout. But Odell's like Rashad. And I've been watching what Cam's talking about. He is like coming from he's coming for revenge on everybody. It's gonna mm -hmm. be ugly. It's gonna be ugly. <laughs> I think hey, I've watched videos. He knew he knew he knew he was getting with Cam. He knew it. 
Because Campbell's not going to play with people. They counted him out. He's already a physical freak, you know. But, like, now you got a kid that's been working on mechanics, condition. Like, he's back to loving football. Like, it's it's going to be tough for some teams. So, you know, with Brady leaving, and so now it's like, is it the Patriots versus the NFL? And you want to know what what more motivation than Cam Newton? Like, they're all fired up. I think I agree oh, yeah. with you with the NF, uh, the New England Super Bowl pick. I think yeah, that's a yeah. good one. I, mean, I ain't not being biased. I'm just like, man, we already know what they can do with, you know, with the mediocre players. You know, Edelman's going to be back. I talk to Edelman a lot. He sends me all sorts of gear to war. We're all the time. He sends me so much of his gear. I love it. Gloves, all that stuff. But y'all going to be, you know, and Jacoby Myers coming back and help the team. Like, it's, y'all going to be very good. And the coaching is so great. You put just watching everybody work. You think you bring Brady the baddest, but you bring a Cam Newton who has something on his mind this year. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to worry about anybody hitting him. He's six five two something. Like they don't, they already don't want some problems. You know, yeah, that's one thing about our. I, I always saw with like Cam, he's so big that too big for safeties to want to hit. Linebackers will tackle, but he he usually got enough wiggle to get past some guys. But he's just been working. He's determined, and his mindset's just totally different now. So it's it's, uh, it's going to be – they're going to be a force. They, I, don't, I don't think they'll backtrack at all. Uh, I think Cam I mean, leaned out too. I don't I don't think Cam's been in this good of shape. Like one of the oh videos yeah. when I think it was the day that he went to the field with Sanu and like he's leaned out really? so much. And it's just – and the Patriots have an offensive line. Like I know they lost their offensive line coach that's been there for like 20 years. But yeah. Cam probably has a better offensive line now in New England than he ever oh, did yeah. in Carolina. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. I used I was watching Christian McCaffrey when they played the Jaguars. Man, they gave him a lot of carries, so he, of course he broke loose, but they are getting some tackles for loss back there, man. It just wasn't no blocking. I mean, like, he, he gets the ball, dude's already in his face, you know? So, and, and, and Cam, he had time off to heal his body, get back recovered. I mean, you know, watch him throw the ball to Odell and all that. Man, he's, just, he's on point with it. You know, so they're, they're working every day. Bond, you know, Quincy Avery is such a good QB coach. So I saw him, see him doing things with Quincy Avery. Uh, so y'all going to be, Reggie's going to be just fine. I have no worries about that. I think it's going to be scary, actually. I had one more. My other question I had for you was obviously we talked about some of the other NFL wide receivers. Which one have you seen the most improvement from that all the guys in the NFL that you've worked out this year? It doesn't matter position or anything. Uh, Nikhil, because he needed the most work. So it's mm-hmm. the biggest improvement. Um, I've been working with Emmanuel for so long and all those guys. So when they come in town for the weeks they come in, it's more I can tune them up, touch them up, work on a few, you know, you know, Miko working on some releases. So I do a lot of releases and stuff. Uh, it's more fine tuning. Uh, but the cue because he had the biggest, he needed he needed the most work done, you know, especially with with, with footwork and understanding releases, how to work, you know, and. The reason why I'm so I work so much releases is that uh, I'm able to train so many receivers and so many DBs. So mm-hmm. uh, that goes hand in hand. So that helps me out with when I'm training DBs, it helps me out with receivers, and vice versa. So it, it uh, that's another that's another thing that's been helping him out, getting getting him understanding what he needs to do to get where he needs to get. But uh, the kill is probably the biggest improvement. So I can't wait to watch him this year. See, now that kind of makes sense to me on why Emmanuel Sanders is back in his prime. Because Emmanuel Sanders was really well Denver 2013, that stretch. But then the injuries came up. But now it seems like Sanders is, when he went to San Francisco and now New Orleans, he's just right back in his prime. But the game is amazing. And he's just, 
feel like Emmanuel Sanders is going to shock some people more than they expect this year for sure. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The dude got a high motor, man. I'm talking about he doesn't get tired. High motor. Um, mm-hmm. He's working, you know, he does a lot of it's cool because David Robinson trains a bunch of receivers. Yeah, he's in Dallas, he's one of my boys. So, a man worked with me with footwork, short area quickness, all that stuff for releases, and then work with David Robinson with routes and catching and all that stuff, man. And he's just the hardest worker I've ever seen. And I told Debo, you know, I work with Debo Samuels. I knew once Emmanuel went to San Fran that Debo would get instantly get better because Emmanuel will bring a lot of knowledge to the game. He'll make Debo a better person, a better player. So mm-hmm. and, I, and and I so I, I was like, damn, he, he left the Niners. But I knew I talked to Emmanuel. Uh, the Niners still wanted him, but he got more money with the Saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think he was between the Bills and the. I think it was the Bills, Niners, and Saints for Emmanuel. And I think he was just like, I can't see myself playing in Buffalo. Yeah, I got a kid. Well, I got two of them actually. Uh, Ed Oliver and uh, Corey Thompson. They're in Buffalo. It's so cold. Nothing to do. It's, I don't see him. He's just like, it's just like you know, he's from Texas. It's like he's like, dude, it is. Yeah, ever since oh. Emmanuel, ever since Emmanuel played with Peyton Manning, he's like, I'm only playing with Peyton, Breeze, Brady. That's it. He's like, no one else. He's like, I don't want to take a risk on anyone else. He wants that veteran. Yeah. He wants to get him that ring. Yeah, you got to get, you got to, yeah, those those veteran wideouts, I mean, yeah, they got to go with veteran QBs, you know. I mean, I remember me and Andre Johnson talking about that because he, he went to Tennessee, but he went with Mariota, you know, and I was like, man, it was just, Mariota just went there, you know. He was just, he was trying to get to the, uh, a veteran QB, but I mean, like, people don't really see how good, Mike is good, but a man you're gonna be open like crazy. I know he he know him and him him and I both know you know he's better than Mike. Mike gets a lot of targets, but Mike's not better than a man. That's, Emmanuel, I agree with, I agree yeah. with that. It's like it's like what you're saying though. It's like a lot of the top receivers in the league. What people go by is the stats, but people don't take into consideration the targets. They don't take into consideration yeah. the route running, the footwork, and all of that. And like obviously, like like the offense that they're in. Like Michael Thomas gets yeah. targeted what 152 oh. times a year. So obviously he's gonna have like he's gonna or like more than that, but obviously yeah. he's gonna get production. But like those guys, like the underdogs, kind of like Devonte Adams, like you touched on earlier, Chris Sims's list. I don't even think Devonte Adams was in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. Keenan Allen wasn't. Keenan Allen wasn't even. Well, Donald Keenan was on there. Like, was he on there? I think he was like eight. I, yeah, like I'm that. like, I'm like, so you got AJ Green? I'm like, nope. Mike, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm cool, Mike. There's so many of them that they would leapfrog past, especially them two. Like, I'm telling you, I trained Slay, I trained Xavier Howard, I trained Joe Hayden, Jonathan mm-hmm. Joseph. And you ask all four of them top DBs. Those are all top DBs. Who is the hardest one to cover? And they say, Keenan Allen, Keenan and Devontae. Mm-hmm. Keenan and Devontae, yeah. they all say that. Every last one of them. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like they just, they're not blazing speed, but their short area quickness, the release quickness, and the separation that they get off the top of the routes is amazing. Nobody's bothering when they, you know, mm-hmm. they're so sudden. It's, it's it's unreal, you know. But yeah, but Chris just uh, his, I think he's going by. I think he's going by stats. Well, I don't know because AJ Green was on it. I'm like AJ didn't even play, or did he? Yeah, he's, he's going for clicks. He just wants yeah. people to read his name and see his see his picks, and everybody go, "Oh my goodness!" Because those receivers half the time, like Keen and all them, they're getting doubled. You, they don't get any yeah. production. You can't. They throw it up the top for Mike Thomas. He's taller than everybody. He jumps higher. That he's gonna get the ball. You know. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's gonna get a lot of tar- he's gonna get a lot of uh, uh, ball thrown to him. It's kind of like you know who's on y'all team. Right, this is gonna be a healthy Sanu, but Jacoby Myers when he came in, I was like, hold up, bro. 
I think Patriots made the raw decision. This, you know, they should have got Jacoby first round instead of, you know. Mm-hmm. So Jacoby came in there understanding, like, I'm like, okay, like Edelman. So Nikhil needs that part of that game. Jacoby got some, he can, he got some short area quickness. Mm-hmm. He got wiggle, you know. Uh, he gonna be a, he's gonna be another one, man, because he came alive this year. Uh, you know, I played the Texans. I was I was watching right at the game, and they had on a big screen. I could hear, I could see Tom Brady saying, "Guys aren't getting separation." He kept saying that they're not getting separation. Sanu was, but Sanu was kind of like, I don't know, you could tell he was kind of hurt. But Jacoby Myers was getting separation. I think he had a few drops. Uh, but I, think, of, but, I think that I think that game Myers ran one wrong route. And Brady yelled at him on the sidelines towards the end of the second quarter, and, and that it was, was just it. like he. And then he wants to eliminate him. But touching on Myers, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I was big on Myers when he came out of NC State. No one even knew who he was really around here in New England last year during it. But usually, it's the quarterback wide receiver that transition. So my, I believe that Myers had more of an understanding for the game. But like you yeah. touched on, like Myers, when he's on that field, he's gonna make plays, and it just he needs to get targeted. That's really yeah. all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just got he just got to get target, you know. And uh, Julian, you know, Julian gonna do his thing this year too. Uh, y'all gonna be, uh, yeah, y'all are gonna. Those guys are gonna be uh, fine this year, you know. Cam got some weapons. Running backs are straight. Defense is good, of course. They got great coaching, you know. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's crazy what you can, you know, what a team can do with the when you got a uh, a quarterback that has a. Hungry attitude. Oh, hungry attitude. And, he, and Cam knows what he got to do. You know, yeah, you're in New England, dude. They, all they know is win. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I know how it is, man. Like, the fans can turn on you just like that. Like, I get heat from fans. Like, if I don't put enough of – if somebody finds out that somebody's working with me and I don't put the workout videos up, I get hell from fans. <laughs> I'm so used to it now. I'm like, uh, you know, like, God damn it. Fans, especially Eagles fans, man, and them and Steelers fans, they're the saltiest. God, <laughs> when they down left, I'm like, leave me in play. They're blaming me, like, I'm like, man, whoa, look. I'm not that's, yeah, especially <laughs> the Eagles attitude last year. They're like, why aren't you working out? What's his name? Greg Ward and all those guys. They had absolutely, yeah. they had absolutely nothing going for them last year on the offensive side of the ball. Either nothing. one of those teams. Yeah, they went and got a lot of speed. You know, Marquise and uh, Jalen Rager. Um, they got a lot of speed on offense. Jesus. And then, and then they then three of the guys in the secondary I work with, and I got one rookie with Slay, uh, Nick Arobi, uh Coleman, and then uh, uh, Russell Douglas. So, you know, those guys would be, you know, those are huge additions, especially Slay and Nick Arobi, And then you got Russell, who's been working all offseason. So um, I work with all them boys, man. So they're going to they're gonna be, they should be, just be, uh, they're going to be good defensive side of the ball. Offense, they should be as well. I imagine. I'm not sure. I'm sure Carson's been working, but uh, yeah, y'all, y'all divisions. Uh, I got three guys on Chiefs. I think. Yeah, or yeah. I got two Chiefs. Two Chiefs guys, two players. You got Hardman. Be good. The other one. Yeah, Hardman uh, was. Uh, Hardman went to the best team possible. That was just. That was a ridiculous traffic by the Chiefs last year. There could not have been a better spot for him than Kansas uh, City. Yeah, and D and D Williams, he plays running back. Man, he's he, you know, and I was gonna get so Jannar Avery. He's your friends with Frank Clark, and I, um, I'm I'm cool with Frank. I know the agent and stuff, so I'm gonna work with Frank Clark before they started. So they're not gonna. I'm not sure when they're gonna report to the veterans, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, I may be getting it with Frank before the season starts. Right, so, so that'll yeah. be a good one too. 
Yeah, yeah, he's a freaking animal, man. He's an animal. Yeah, he's good. Very good D lineman. So, yeah. Have you ever um, worked out with Stephon Gilmore? Because no. I know Gilmore's game has improved, and I know that you've worked out with some Patriots guys. And, like, Gilmore is one of those guys that we touched on that said, like, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, one of the best route runners in the game. So just curious if you've ever worked out with him before. No, um, Gilmore actually works out with uh, uh, Dre Bly. Oh, does he? The, yeah, he's a cornerback coach at uh, University of North Carolina. Um, oh. you know, uh, Stephon went to uh, South Carolina. But Coach Bly played in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, so, for the Lions, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I talk to him all the time. He's, yeah, he likes a lot of the high school kids that I train. So that's where uh, Gilmore works out with him a lot. I see some videos of them you guys training. Uh, I used to have uh, Eric Rowe on y'all's team. Work with Eric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Eric. Yeah, Eric. Yeah, uh, Eric would have been better at safety. I think, you think for so? y'all. At safety, yeah. He's a cornerback, you know. Yeah, especially during that Super Bowl versus the Eagles, they could have used them at safety rather than cornerback covering Elshon. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, and it's because Eric, he got great speed, great good length, and he got a good under. He can do smart. But I, 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 Elshon had it on his mind that game, I guess. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody made contract year or something for Elshon because he was, it was, it was bullying. Oh, like, you know. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's, maybe it, 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 I'm pretty sure I ain't got nobody else. Yeah, uh, let me make sure, because sometimes I'll be watching the game, and I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot to train so-and-so. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's, probably, there's probably a few guys on the Patriots that you've definitely worked out that you're like, oh, man, he's on the path. I didn't even, you know, no, you I'm work out so many time, people, man. you can't track all where they go. I mean, you go from high school, college. Hard yeah. to keep track of everyone you actually work out. And even my pro guys, because I do everything in my position. So my pro guys, I still have, you know, I have, like, for instance, a day at work with me will be 12 o'clock, I'll have, I might have Ebro. Then at 1 o'clock, I'll have Kendall Sheffield, plays corner for Atlanta. I have Rasul. I might have uh, uh, Alana Johnson, corner from Texas. And mm-hmm. then, you know, at 12, 1, then at 2 o'clock, I might not do anything. 3 o'clock, I might not do anything. 4 o'clock, I'll have. Courtney CD wideouts, and I have you know, um, yeah, it's just everybody from different teams. I have some guys from Redskins. It's crazy. So one day, one day, like me and my my wideout uh, coach D, I had my DBs out there. And I think he had four of the wideouts. So he had like Redskins, Colts, Redskins, Colts player, Broncos, Eagles. And I had like one of my boys from here. Uh, Texans, Atlanta, Eagles. I mean, we it was just like. And they kind of start talking, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I all started kind of talking because the football kept going our way. Somebody was dropping it. I don't know who it was. But after a while, my DB dudes are going to let them know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know. You're going to line them up for a nice solid competition, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I was like, damn, we got some division rivals out here because with the Eagles and the um, um, Eagles and the Redskins, mm-hmm. we got, yeah, got two Redskins players. You know, it's just funny listening to them guys just go at it. Sharpen at it back so, and forth. Yeah, yeah. All funny games and stuff, but uh, you can tell at that time they're probably like they were being serious. They were, you know, they're ready to play, man. That's the thing. All these guys are all ready to play ball. Um, so I, I can't wait, man. Um, I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to, you know, we've been putting a lot of work, so we're trying to put all this stuff to use. <laughs> Absolutely. Sean, you got any other questions? 
I'm all set on this end. All righty, man. Well, we don't want to hold up too much of your time because obviously you grind from probably 6 a.m. in the morning up until 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, got, I kind of start off on mid-morning. And then, um, so one of the ones are all dedicated to my pro guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got to do Saturday, Sunday, I do that too. But um, then Tuesday, Thursdays, like Saturdays are usually like my high school kids. Uh, all my college kids are already back in school. Mm-hmm. Most the majority of our pro guys are gone, so now the most of them I have here are like uh, the Texans. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I got some kids I'm about to work with here in a few about 45 minutes. Yeah, but yo, but hey, y'all, I do a lot of these, man. So anytime y'all got questions about anybody, uh, oh, absolutely, I'd be more than happy to have you on, man. Yeah, it was yeah. great talking to you. Oh, no problem, man. Thank y'all guys. I appreciate it, brother. Have a good one, man. Oh, you too. Y'all too. I'll take care. Thank you. All right, later. So the interview was very interesting. I mean, me and my brother did get the chance to interview him. It was very good insight. I mean, I don't know if you boys got to listen to the full thing, but he did say that Nikhil Harry has progressed a lot, which was a big, what I took the most out of this whole interview, was saying that Nikhil Harry last year, and I guess his whole career, he kind of just was working on the things that he was good at but he never worked with the things that he struggled with. So how do you boys think that um, with Nikhil Harry working out with the footwork team, how he's going to progress in the second year? Yeah, so I guess what he was basically saying, I, I think you had asked him, what player do you think you've seen the most improvement from? And he said Nikhil Harry, essentially, because Nikhil Harry was starting off with, honestly, like, for lack of a better term, uh, such bad footwork and route running ability. You know what I mean? He came in a lot worse off than other players, so his improvement has been that much more drastic, which is obviously something I'm excited to hear as a Patriot fan. Um, you know, use the first-round pick on the guy. After this year is where you'd start to get maybe into draft bus territory. He obviously had some injuries that held him back last season, so you can't completely chalk that one up yet, but Definitely, definitely. I'm really excited to hear that he's been working with the Footwork King because, uh, you know, coming once we drafted Harry, we're all really excited because he's got the size, he's got the he's got the good name, he's got the hands, he's got it all. But it was clear all last year that he had a lot of trouble getting off the line, had slow feet, and it was just really tough to see. But working with the Footwork King, I think that's going to help him a lot, and it should be uh, really fun to watch and be able to get out of, get in and out of routes much better and be a lot smoother. It was really cool during that interview. Because obviously, I think that was like the first time I've ever actually interviewed someone. And it was not shown on the clip. But when we first started it, I pronounced his name wrong. And I was like, this dude's just going to end it. And he's just going to leave the Skype. And Dan's going to kill me. But it ended up being really well. It didn't even feel like an interview. It kind of felt like more of a discussion about wide receivers and everything. I did, like, obviously, I really do hope that Nikhil Harry has that breakout year because the Patriots need it more than ever because you don't really know you can't have Edelman get targeted a thousand times and you can't really obviously Sanu coming off the foot injury he's been putting in work but you kind of really need that big body outside wide receiver um it was also interesting too a part that he said was that like I commented or I said mentioned it to him and he said like his top route runners like he did not seem like a big Michael Thomas guy at all which amazes me because Michael Thomas obviously was the best wide receiver in the league last year. But Dan also touched on it too over in text about how like he was pumped out 
he doesn't he's not really a big Michael Thomas guy. That that was one of my biggest takeaways from that and one of the things I would have to say I like most about him. Um, I think Michael Thomas is grossly overrated. I think that was shown when he got uh, the 99 rating in Madden for this year, which kind of like symbolizes not only him being the best wide receiver in the league, but almost that there's kind of like a big gap between second place. Personally, I think Julio Jones is the best wide receiver in the league. Thomas did have a crazy year last year, but um, I think Footwork King was saying it too. It's just if anyone's just getting target after target on just a little like five yard slants, of course, they're going to be able to put up monster stats. And I think he had talked about how, um, you know, when you compare Michael Thomas to a guy like Devontae Adams or a guy like Keenan Allen, like he's not even close to the route runner that they are. And then athletically, I don't think you can compare any wide receiver to Julio. Jones. So I really, I think he's the best overall. Like coming I, off of I, last season, it was definitely Michael Thomas had the best year last year statistically. But if I can take any wide receiver for just one season, I, I want think Julio you're forgetting Jones. about a guy in Arizona. No, I got Julio over Hopkins. Hopkins is my number two though, and then I got Thomas. Adam, what about you? Who are your Who's your top? All right, well, just, you know, might as well just do it. Adam, you started off. Who are your top three wide receivers in the league? In the league right now, I'm going to go D-Hop, uh, Julio, and then Michael Thomas. Because basically, like what Dan said, Michael Thomas had the crazy stats last year, and obviously he's one of the best receivers in the league, but catching those five-yard slants every time and having Drew Brees throwing you the ball makes it really, really easy. I'd like to see what, like, Julio or – because Julio's had Matt Ryan for his whole career, which is a pretty solid quarterback to have. But if you had any of those guys like D-Hop or Julio had an elite quarterback like Drew Brees their whole career, I think their numbers would be even, be even better, you know? Right, Dan, what about you? Who's your? T- I know you said you mentioned your top two, but who's your – oh, you already did your top three, right? It was – Oh, I th- well, I can I can yeah. elaborate on it a little more because I kind of I breeze by it. I would say – so I think m- – Adam at least agreed with me. I don't really know what you're thinking. I hope you'd agree that Michael Thomas isn't better than Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins. I think the gap between Hopkins and Jones is really, really close, and Hopkins is closing in on him. But overall, I got to go Julio. And I think he, he kind of gets overshadowed because Atlanta really just of – of those three teams, obviously Hopkins is in Arizona now, but Texans and Saints – both making the playoffs, both uh, were kind of contenders. Obviously, the Saints didn't go very far, but some people thought they'd be able to win the NFC, whereas the Falcons were never really in playoff contention. So he very quietly still got like 13, 1,400 yards receiving. Um, the usual knock on Julio is he doesn't get as many touchdowns as these other guys, but I, I don't really see that as a big reason to not make him the best receiver in the league. Right. So D-Hop's my number one. And I'm really – I don't even – Michael Thomas is not in my top three. Um, I'm really – so I'm, I don't really – I don't know if I want to rank these guys because obviously it's hard for me because I really think they are kind of like on the same level. But I do – I think that Devontae Adams is top three. I just think his route running is unbelievable. I just think that he gets underappreciated because – he obviously gets – he's the only guy on the offense, so he's going to get targets, but he also gets double-teamed and sometimes triple-teamed, and he still balls out. So i got to put him there, and then obviously Julio, and then you also got to give a nod to Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is just a completely different player, and he's like obviously different – Yeah, he'd be yeah, my like number a different four. Fit, but, think. like, it's kind of tough. 
Like if you if you were to have one game or not one game, like one season, you would take Julio over Tyree Kill. I, I would take Tyree Kill over Julio. The reason I would do that is because it's not that it's easy to stop Julio or Tyree Kill, but there's almost more of a proven formula to stopping Tyree Kill. You've seen it recently with the Patriots where uh, there's not a lot of – we obviously, I think, have the best secondary in the league, so it's a lot different for us. But when we're able to put uh, the McCourty brothers, essentially, on Tyreek Hill and then throw Gilmore on Sammy Watkins, for the most part, it just kind of neutralizes them. Like, usually he'll he'll have maybe two, three catches. Two of those will maybe just be, like, short little slants or, like, bubble screens and then he may be able to rip off one of those like big 40 yard bombs, but he, for the most part has like very quiet games when he plays the Patriots and the 49ers tried to do the same thing, uh, but they just don't really have the secondary for it. And then Richard Sherman couldn't defend Sammy Watkins. And that's basically why they lost Super Bowl. but you don't, you can't, it's not as easy to do that with Julio just because where he's not as fast as Tyree Kill, just the size and the athleticism. Yeah. So well, you can't really go wrong having either of those guys, but I think what you guys aren't really thinking about is who's throwing in the ball. Like, I think Tyree Kill is as good as he is because Mahomes can throw the ball 80 years, 80 yards in stride to him. You know what I mean? 80 years. 80 years. Eight, that's a long way. Mahomes is going to be playing until he's 80. But also, okay, so since we're on the wide receiver topic, I think this is a perfect the thing to go into. Did you boys see the beef on Twitter between Keenan Allen and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin today? I did. So I did. that was interesting. And I'm just going to read the tweet for any listeners that we have out there that has not that has not seen the tweet. So after Keenan Allen was ranked, I think he was 71 on the top 100. And 77. 77, okay. And he said, okay, I'm tired of Biting my mouth, even though I spelled that wrong. I, he spelled that wrong. And he tagged Tyree Kill, Mike Evans, and he tagged the wrong Chris Godwin. He tagged, he tagged Chris Goodwin. And the list goes on. Are not a better receiver than me, faster than me, every day of the week. But separation, child, please. And I just love how Mike Evans' response was, what was it? You tagged the wrong Chris Godwin, and don't be mad at us. We ain't make the rankings or care about them. I like the confidence, but be realistic. You're not on my level, bro. I just love that. I yeah, love that. That was <laughs> Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen just caught like a huge, huge L with that. To to make to to complain about your top hundred ranking is one thing. Like I think I saw Kyler Murray, he was like ninety or something like that, and he just put up like a like a laughing emoji on his story with nothing else. That's obviously about that. But like to be like, why are these guys above me? And he also cho- like if he had said, I think Tyler Lockett was on the list tonight. Like, if he had said Tyler Lockett, you know what I mean? Why is Tyler Lockett above me? It's maybe a little bit more of a conversation. Uh, personally, I'd put Keenan Allen over Godwin just because he's kind of like been good for longer, whereas Godwin just had like a very, very good year last year. I don't know about Mike Evans and definitely, definitely not Tyreek Hill. I don't know why Keenan Allen thinks he can call out Tyreek Hill. I mean, I can I can see where Keenan Allen's coming from, though, because he's been one of the most underrated receivers in the game for the last few years, and I feel like his name really isn't brought up a lot, and I kind of think he just wants more respect. Like, last three years, 102 receptions, 92 receptions, and 104 receptions, but you barely even hear the guy's name, you know? 
I feel like he's deserving to be like in the top seven, the top ten of receivers of the league. But I feel like just no one really ever mentions his name. Yeah, it was definitely that was definitely like a big thing that the Footwork King mentioned with Keenan Allen. I know he does. He has the new one his top three solely based on his route running. Um, another part of the interview that I really took like appreciative of that I didn't really know that he had like seen this off season was Cam Newton. Cause didn't even realize that he probably has worked out with receivers and Cam has been there. So, and then I believe not a hundred percent sure, but he instead talked about how Cam is more than ready. He's never seen Cam more healthy, like motivated, yeah. ready to go. And which is going to be interesting because we're hopeful next week that we can get Jordan Palmer on the podcast and do an interview with him and take and understand the Stidham side. And it's just going to be interesting. But Dan, how do you, um, what was your take on what the footwork King said about Cam Newton? Well, if I am like, I might be remembering this wrong, but I'm pretty sure another big piece of it was a lot of stuff that he's hearing secondhand from Odell Beckham, who's obviously like a close friend of Cam Newton. And like one of the big things I'm pretty sure he was saying was essentially that like Cam Newton has the like the biggest chip on his shoulder and it's just like working harder than like he has ever ever seen in all the time that he's known Cam Newton. And with that, he's like a lot of people will say, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm I'm being doubted, like people are hating on me. I'm gonna go prove them all wrong. And then maybe they work a little harder. But, like, Cam Newton, it seems like, or at least this is what we're hearing from Footwork King, from Odell Beckham, he really, really means it. And it's just, like, working as hard as he ever has, as hard as he can to, like, he said it in uh, his little, like, roundtable interview with Odell Beckham, like, all the teams that passed on him, things like that, quarterbacks they took over him, like, he remembers that stuff. And, like, he's, he's looking to show that that was a big mistake on their part. And it's, it's exciting to hear that kind of thing. It gets me hyped up to see what Cam's got in store for us because, like we've mentioned in the past and like you just said, it's obvious that uh, his work ethic is at, at an all-time high right now. So if he can bring that attitude and stay healthy and just continue to work hard, I've, we could see a 2015 version of Cam Newton possibly. 20 what? 2015. No. 20 Say it one more time. Maybe twenty. Maybe maybe early. Dude, he's healthy. He's as healthy as he's ever been. He's got the biggest chip on his shoulder. He's not though. But it. He's not as healthy. I mean, this as is ever been. The foot is fine. The foot is fine because I saw things that were were saying, if it had been, um, man, I'm not gonna be able to. Remember. What did he tear on his foot? Ah, uh, what was it? Not on the top like of random my head. ligament, ligament, some weird name. I don't even know. But I'm actually, you well, know anyways. what, actually, Dan, before you go on, and I apologize for cutting you off, but you know what, I changed my mind. I'm down with it, Adam. Maybe Cam will be 2015. Dude. Because the way that people talk shit about Brady towards the end of the 2013 from, or like 2011 to 2000, I want to say kind of 15. Let's go on that route because that 2015 year was rough. And then everyone said Brady's career was over. And then what did Brady do in 2016? He tore it apart. And no, I am not comparing Tom Brady to Cam Newton, not one bit, not at all. But I'm saying with the chip on the shoulder and the Patriots system, maybe Cam can get back to his 2015 self. Because if the offensive line, if Andrews is the starting center, 
may, I, I, what is that offensive line in New England better than what he had in Carolina? I don't remember Carolina having a good offensive line. So maybe Cam could be somewhat of his 2015 version. So Adam, I apologize, and I will be on that bandwagon. It's totally okay. And just one more thing. Oh, sorry, Dan. I don't. I don't. I don't know about 2015. I'm thinking maybe he can play like he did early 2018, where people forget he was kind of like a dark horse MVP candidate before he had injured his shoulder. I would say he's not going to play like the 2015 version of himself just because of the shoulder, like. That's something that it's recovered. It's not like he can't throw a football, but he doesn't have the power that 2015 Cam would have in his throwing arm. Yeah, I agree. He's going to need to bring that 2015 power because he's got Jared Stidham that he's going to compete with, man. And Stidham has to redeem himself after that pick six. And also, <laughs> good news for Jared Stidham the past couple of days, actually. First, that Jamal Adams was traded to Seattle, and that's something that we will touch on in one second. And second, that Will Hasslings actually got re-signed back to the Pats, which is the Auburn, Stidham's Auburn boy. So the quarterback competition still stays alive. Stidham's had a great couple of days, and now we need to talk about this Jets-Seattle trade. And I think that Seattle just went overboard. I know Jamal Adams is an all-pro safety. I get it. But you just traded two first-round picks. And when does that ever work out? Like, honestly. Because, I mean, Jamal Adams is playing on his rookie contract. So what if Adams was just like, screw you, Seattle. I'm testing the market. Yeah. Could happen. Um, And then another big piece of that is I had seen a quote a little while ago when Jamal Adams was looking for his extension. And he didn't just want to be the highest-paid safety in the league, which is you know, something that would make sense. He wants to be the highest paid defensive player in the league because sometimes he can be used in packages where he lines up at like an outside linebacker or something like that. So that's a lot of money. Like you think about the extension that Miles Garrett just got. It was something like five years, 150 million. He wants to top that. And I, after the contract that they gave Russell Wilson, Seattle can't have a ton of cap space right now. So the fact that they maybe just traded a starting safety, two first-round picks, and a third-round pick for a one-year rental is just, like, insane. It is insane, but I can see where Pete Carroll is coming from because you use those first-round picks in hopes to get a guy that's anywhere close to the talent level of Jamal Adams. And Jamal Adams going to that defense, that's just going to ignite that defense even more. And Pete Carroll is a big player coach, and I think that team's just going to ride just, you know, just, I don't even know, dude. That's just going to be a crazy-ass team right there. I wonder if Clowney's going to go back, but like you said, they probably don't have the money to even compete for Clowney now, but if somehow they're able to snag Clowney back, that'd be insane. Who do you guys think won the trade, though, overall? Jets. Jets, you think so? Jets. But the thing is, also, but, like, how good are the Jets at drafting? I mean, obviously, I know they drafted Jamal Adams. He did go get Donald, but Mono Boy, you don't really know what he's going to do this year. I just don't really know how the Jets... But also another thing, too, is that Seattle sucks at drafting. So maybe them trading yeah, those first-round picks might be better off for them. Well, it's it's weird. They always do bad in the first round, but then they do better later on. So they tend to trade out of the first round. It's just definitely... It's going to be interesting for sure to see how that pans out. Definitely it works out for... Stidham, because now he's not going to have to worry about seeing Jamal Adams on the other side of the field. 
bring back bad memories for him. Actually, week two he will. So I do apologize for that. But should we go into the list of the playoff predictions from last week? Let's go for mm-hmm. it. Okay. Let's go for so, it. So, Dan, you can start off by reading off the results. All and right. after that, I so. would love to read. Okay, so first off, before you touch into it, I do apologize. But for You some, want to read some comments? Not, I will after you do. For some reason, this had 481 shares on Instagram. It hit the Explore page, and it had it 72,000 people saw it on the Explore page. And we had a total of 75,000, basically 76,000 people see it. And it had, I think it honestly went up. Like it had 400, 364 comments, like comments. And a lot of them were very hurtful to me. But Dan, <laughs> before right. we get into that, so, read the results. All right. So last week, we did our playoff predictions. Kevin absolutely shit on my list. So I decided uh, I was going to have our editor, H1 Edits, go give him a follow on Instagram, throw together a nice little graphic, a nice little graphic, make a post out of it. And then I was going to throw some polls on the story, see what people thought about the list. I smoked Kevin. I beat him in our poll, something like I got maybe 65, 70% of the vote. So I won by like a couple hundred people. Adam absolutely destroyed kevin i think he got like almost 90 percent of the vote and then adam beat me something like 60 40 so adam had the best list according to the people i was number two and kevin was a very very distant number three <laughs> as shown as shown by some of these comments and okay DMs so first that off, about i would read. like to add that some people in the comments that did not vote said i had something like the best afc some people did say I have the bad list, but that's not what the people want to hear because whatever. They feel bad for you guys. <laughs> yeah. But, we know you made yeah. some fake Instagram accounts that give you some clout, dude. It's okay. Oh, my yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, all right. The Rune Dog yeah. Report. Yeah. All right. Forget it. Anyways. All right. So, some of them were kind of mean. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm, they're lucky that I don't care because other people would get very upset. Someone said, Kevin on that other shit. Kevin's a clown. I want what Kevin is smoking. I think a lot of people said that. Kevin's smoking. A lot of people said I'm smoking. <laughs> but people said Kevin by far. And someone also said, which is very rude, and I'm not reading it word for word, but I saw it the other night. And someone said, um, did Kevin's parents tell him that he's mentally challenged? Like, come on. Oh, my relax, gosh. Relax a little bit. Like, I'm sorry I put the Cardinals in the seventh seat. But, like, come on. Have, yeah, this is it. Sorry. Have Kevin's parents told him that he's mentally disabled? <laughs> and, that, and that is from Steven Menina. Shout out, Steven. Shout out, Steven. Let's go, Steven. He's wearing a bow tie in his profile. <laughs> so, Steven, if you listen to I, this I, podcast, Kevin. screw you and your middle last name, all right, buddy? My list is awesome. I would feel bad for you, Kev. But you are the most outspoken against everyone else's list. And you were talking about how my list was so bad. So I don't feel bad at all that people don't like you. Know what would have been re- you know what I think, honestly, too? Is that if you put Rundog on it instead of Kevin, I would have got some more love. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think I would have got. You, you have kind of like a cult yeah, I got, I got. You've got your little I fan base. I got my posse and then I got my haters who think that my parents haven't told me that I'm mentally yeah. challenged. 
But like, I don't know why these people say I want like Kevin smoking. How bad? How bad? Okay, what's wrong with my list? Can yeah, we see, go over my list? As you're because, speaking right now, I'm actually looking for it and I'm trying to see what people can really disagree with. And I'm thinking it right, might right. be. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, yeah, I'll the, read the it. The Bills. Yeah. Okay. Free seat. Yeah, go ahead. Just read it. Tampa, Tampa at one. People did not seem to like. Okay, so I have Anderson right. for this is for the listeners, so we don't make him go back back in the post. No Packers. Okay, Dan, you just go off and read it anyways. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I'll read. It. I'll read the full thing through. So this was Kevin's predictions for the AFC. He had the Chiefs as the one seed, Ravens at two, Bills at three, Titans at four, Patriots at five, Broncos at six, Steelers what is wrong at seven. With that? For the NFC, for the NFC, he had Buccaneers Beautiful. at one. Seahawks Amazing. at two, Cowboys Great. at three, Vikings Beautiful. at four, Saints at five, 49ers <laughs> at six, Cardinals Beautiful. at seven. So this is what this is what I'm thinking. People did not like Buccaneers Why? at one, even though they didn't really give Adam much hate for having them at two. Um, people, I'm going to assume, like I didn't have a huge problem with it, but no Packers, having no Packers, I don't think people liked that. Broncos as a six seed, people did not like. Cardinals as a seven seed. Um, and then you're going to have – you had the Patriots ranked the lowest out of the three Dude, of us. I'm so, so we're Patriots page. You're going to have a, a lot of people that I don't like I apologize, but you have the Colts as your goddamn seven. <laughs> and you went on a podcast. You had the Broncos as your You went on a seed. podcast last week, and you stated that Philip Rivers, who signed a one-year, $25 million fully guaranteed contract, will Don't not be the, be the starting quarterback. And I get hate, week three. but that is the most absurd take that anyone could have said on a you podcast. Went, you went on a podcast and said that not only would the Buccaneers finish with the best record in the NFC, right. but that they, I believe you said that they would win the Super Bowl. You at least said that they'd be yeah. in the Super Bowl. I don't I remember. did, because last year, the Buccaneers, when they go 7-9, and nine, they had... Their defense was solid. They do not have a bad defense. I know they have the guys that don't have they have on their defense that are not big names, but you don't need a lot of big names on defense. As long as you guys you guys have people who can play, that's all that you need. And the only reason that they lost games was because Jameis Winston turned over the ball thirty times. And they still competed. Didn't have anything to do with their line, had nothing to do with their offensive line. What? What do you talk? It had nothing to do with their awful offensive line, right? It was just Jameis Winston. If you throw 30 picks, and I and you've seen some of them, they weren't pretty. And then it came out to report that he got LASIK eye surgery, so he had better vision. Mm-hmm. And then he played with a broken thumb. So then torn. all the excuses... I thought it was torn meniscus. So all the excuses came out. So if you got LASIK eye surgery, come on. Let's be real. Don't blame the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And plus the Bucks drafted the tackle in the offensive... Or in the, what, the 14th overall pick the first round. So let's not get this pen of ourselves. So I think the Buccaneers, it's Tom Brady, he's the GOAT, and people are hating on me for saying that the Bucks are going to be the number one seed when Tom Brady is the goddamn quarterback and we're a Patriots fan base. And if we post something on the page that slightly, slightly, like, disrespects Tom Brady as a joke, people comment, unfollow. Unfollow. Yeah. Walk. It is a really weird dynamic. You have, that we have. If, yeah, if we post something making fun of Tom Brady, you're going to have like literally 100% of the people that see it are going to like disagree with it, get upset by it. If we have something hyping up Tom Brady on the Buccaneers, 
you're going to have like 80% of the people that are still salty that he left, not like that, and have 20% that still appreciate Tom Brady, like it. And then if we post something throwback from the old Patriot days, you're going to have basically all the Patriots fans like it, and then all the Patriots haters will come in and shit on it. It's really, it's just, it's honestly ridiculous. And you know what, it's fine, because when mine is, like, what is it, what is it, seven? So when I'm 14 out of 14, I'm going to post, I'm going to screenshot all those comments. I'm going to put them on the story. And then you know what's going to happen? Right. No one's going to care. But at least, I have, <laughs> at least I have that pride that I was right and you fuckers were wrong. But I do, honestly, I think another thing that people had a problem with my list was that um, the Broncos, and I really do think that people undervalue the Denver Broncos. And with the NFL Top 100, which we have still not seen a New England Patriots yet on that list, it's very disappointing. But Jarrell Casey was like, I want to say Jarrell Casey was in the 70s, and he got traded, like 71, he got traded to Denver for um, a seventh-round seventh round pick. pick. And Denver's offense, I know we touched on that last week, but I just don't understand why people are just so down on Denver. And we have fools who say that the Indianapolis Colts are going to make the seventh seed. <laughs> I, I like I like that you keep shitting on my list. I didn't say even no. I didn't say everyone just, hated you. I, I did not. Nobody no. likes listen, your listen, list. A lot of people, Nobody not named Kevin I, Rooney likes your listen, list. Listen, a lot of people in the comments did say that they like my list. But anyways, I was not poking at you. I was just saying, how can one person not named Dan Shea, but anyone who watches football think that the Indianapolis Colts will uh, beat out the Denver How could Broncos. you think that the Denver Broncos will be the sixth seed? Because they have Melvin Gordon. Like it's one thing for Adam to just have them making the playoffs, but you, for you to think that they're going to also top the Steelers and get the sixth seed. Because Big Ben's How can anyone that watches football think that's going to happen? Because Big Ben's coming off an injury and he hasn't been productive. We the thought, Steelers. We haven't. We James Conner last Steelers, year was. Didn't they James go eight Conner and eight last, last year? James Conner last year was poopy. Juju Smith-Schuster last year was not great. I don't care about the quarterbacks. They did not get separation. The defense, dude. T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. Nice, and their defense brought him to Cameron Hayward. Do you know what the defense is going to do this year? Bring him to 9-7. Yeah, because seven. Mason Rudolph was their quarterback. Nice. And they're going to be 9-7, and seven, and Denver's going to be 10-6. and six. You know what? We're not arguing about this anymore. I'm done. I'm going to win anyways, regardless. <laughs> so, yep. so Marcus Cannon reportedly is considering opting out. We did report last over in February, I think it was February or early March, that Marcus Cannon was going to retire. We took some heat for it, obviously, because we are a sub-page to Red Believe Media, and Spike King runs Red Believe Media, and he gets hate all the time. So, obviously, we're going to get hate towards us. But, Adam, if you if you take out Marcus Cannon, and Cannon opts out for the season, how do you think the Patriots are going to adjust and fix that offensive line? Well, there's a couple different options they can go down, but I think ultimately they they could move Thune to right tackle because if and it also kind of depends on who's going to be the starting quarterback. Because if Cam's out there and Cam's going to be running the ball around and getting outside the pocket, you're going to want some strong tackles and you're going to want Thune uh, protecting that right side. But that brings up the question: then who would who would substitute Thune at guard? You know, it's kind of a. Can you pronounce it one more time? What'd you say? Can you pronounce it one more time? Thuny? Thuny. Thuny. All right, I'll just call him Joseph. 
Joseph, all right? So I think Joseph could move to right tackle, but then we just have another gap right at, right at guard. So, And it's there's still a question to be seen about Isaiah Wynn. Is he going to stay at tackle? Is he too small to play tackle? Is he going to switch to guard? I don't know. There's still a lot of moving pieces that need to be figured out, but I guess we could maybe see uh, what's his name? Um, the guy uh, we drafted him. Kajus, yeah, Kajus. Yeah, but I haven't. I've heard a lot of bad things about him, so I'm not, I don't know how confident I am in him. But there's a lot of questions that are going to be need need to be answered on that off. If he end up opting out, so what do you think? So yeah, so Danny, go ahead, buddy. all right, I'm I'm kind of thinking that uh, Tooney could also be moved over to that tackle spot. I kind of agree with you there because. We don't really have great options at the tackles. We don't really have much depth on our offensive line. And then Yadni Kajustu probably would be the top option. He didn't play, like, at all last year. He was on injured reserve basically the whole year. I don't even think he got that many reps on in the uh, preseason because of his injuries. So to now just throw him in there, uh, obviously, that's not the smartest idea. My dream situation uh, would be if we could pick up the Saints recently – or not super recently, maybe like a month ago, they cut their all-pro guard, Larry Wofford. We could slide him in at right guard, uh, or left guard, where Thune usually is, slide Thune to right tackle, and have one of the best offensive lines in the AFC. Yeah, that would kind of bring back the Brian, I don't know, Dan, if you really know too much about Brian Waters, because we were young back then. But Brian Waters was that guy, that all-pro guard who played one year, and he just completely, like, changed the whole dynamic of the Patriots' season in a way just because they had that presence there. So that actually, you know, that's a really good one. I think he got cut back in February before free agency even started, I think. I think he got cut long. No, I, I think it was I think it was more recent than that. I think but, it was before free agency. I think they let him go. To let but him still, still enough time has gone by and he's like been a free agent long enough that um, I think that he would he might start to be in the mindset where like I might have to take just kind of like a one year prove it deal. And we have, I think after Vital opted out, we have like, I want to say like seven and a half or like eight million in cap space. I I think that's enough to get a one year deal done with a with a with a guard. Yeah, that's gonna be. I don't know if the Patriots. Will if he's willing that. to take the pay cut, obviously. I don't know if the Patriots will pursue that solely based on that. I think that Belichick would rather have that money there, especially just in case with now. COVID-19 and that you don't know because obviously um, I don't know if you guys read some of the rules they came out last week with the NFL with COVID so like say Bill Belichick tests positive for Corona he can't coach for two weeks like he can't even be in a box and say they're like in Seattle he's trapped in Seattle to say like that happens yeah. to like a few guys on your team and you need to hit free agency then that's something definitely that you need to have salary cap for but I, I also agree with both of you that you slide Tooney in the right tackle. But, of course, I'm here with my hot takes. And the Patriots in the sixth round drafted Michael Onwenu from Michigan. Onwenu. I like him okay. a lot. I think that's someone that if you give him a few weeks in camp, I mean, he's a powerful guard. Um, the only thing I think that he needed to focus on was his weight because he was on the bigger side. He was a tackle in college. Was he? Because it was, I think, okay, I thought he was. He was, he was but he's undersized, so he's going to he's gonna transition so a I lot think, better as an NFL I think guard. he just needs to 
cut weight because I think that if he can cut weight, then he can obviously uh, be a lot faster and then obviously with pull. So it's going to be a big thing for him, but he is a powerful guy. So I just think that someone you might be able to just slide in there and then have hopefully if he produces, then obviously the win-win situation for the Patriots. Yeah. Slide tuning over the right tackle. Yeah. Um, I was psyched when we got him in the draft. I think he, I'm pretty sure he didn't allow any sacks last season at Michigan. And I think in his entire career at Michigan, he didn't allow one which was sack. like three years as the starters. No, I think he allowed like two or three sacks, but this past season, zero. Yeah, he's 6'3", 344. So, so that's kind of, what is Isaiah I think, Wynn? I think he'd make a better guard. I think he'd make a better guard. What is Isaiah Wynn? Is Isaiah Wynn like... Five one two fifty. He's like six six one can six we, two. Can we also talk about? Can we also talk about? Have you guys seen that? Like a lot of Patriots analysts and almost just kind of like fans around the NFL have been seeing this a lot. Just for whatever reason, think that Isaiah Wynn is just going to be a Pro Bowler this year. Like he's just going to have like a huge unexpected season and just be like amazing. I've been seeing that like all over that Isaiah Wynn is going to be a Pro Bowler this year. Oh, I sure hope so. so. I think if he stays healthy. I mean, that's the big question, Mark, like Adam touched on earlier. It's just if Isaiah Wynn can stay healthy, that's the main question. Because, I mean, he did kind of hurt the Patriots after he got hurt in Miami when you had to put in Marshall Newhouse. Yeah. I mean, that, that affected the season a lot. And then Isaiah Wynn came back, and he just it looked like he never lost a step. So it just all depends on if Isaiah Wynn can play a full 16 games. I mean, I think that would be a really, really big jump for him if he would be able to go from what he was last year to a Pro Bowl. Like, I don't know if that's completely possible, but I definitely agree there's a lot of room for improvement with him, and then he, and on the next couple of years that he can end up being a Pro Bowler, but I don't think he could turn around and turn into one right away, especially if he has the possibility of moving into guard and learning a new position, and uh, especially during the times of COVID and less practices and stuff. It might be a lot harder for him, but I think he's got the... He's capable of it, but I don't think he'll be able to turn it around like that that quickly. And w- yeah, one more thing to touch on while we're talking about the offensive line. Once we uh, franchise tag Thune, we had that whole month, month and a half of trade rumors and stuff. So what my question is, do you yeah. think that Bill and staff knew of Marcus Cannon this whole time, and that's why we haven't traded Thune at all? Because Cannon's going to opt out, and we need to keep Thune for that offensive line? I think that they probably knew as a lot of uh, NFL executives and coaches do, once a guy starts seriously considering retirement, even if he doesn't go through with it for the first time, you know that the clock's mm-hmm. ticking. And he's got, like, maybe two years left max. I Like, we saw that with Gronk. He almost retired um, after Super Bowl 52. Like, after that loss, he, he said he just felt like he didn't want to play football anymore. Um, and then, of course... It was only one more year before he retired. That didn't stick, but yeah, no, the Patriots definitely. It's just like, do the Patriots ever really? I mean, obviously Isaiah wins like a question, and then obviously actually no, my question actually doesn't really work because you drafted Tooney and then Shaq Mason. But I was gonna say like I don't really remember them really like drafting that well. Yeah, well, Tooney and Shaq Mason weren't like high picks either. Undrafted, yeah. That was crazy how Andrews beat up Brian Stork. I'm sorry, I was a big Brian was Stork it? guy. Yeah. Stork was nasty, too, that 2014 year. Dude, Brian Stork went out on a bang. Literally went out on a bang with, like, a career-ending concussion. But he won a national yeah. championship, and then he won a Super Bowl, and then he retired. So yeah. shout-out to Brian Stork. 
Um, no, I'm pretty sure. I mean, so far there's been no Patriots to crack the top NFL 100 list. I think this is probably you got former be... Patriot Logan Ryan at number 60. Just he made out. it. He's still not signed. He's still a free agent, dude. It's kind of crazy. Dude, imagine a mat like it. It won't happen, and we don't need him, and it's definitely not going to happen. But imagine <laughs> if he came back to the Patriots, like how, like. How do you throw the ball against us? Literally, if you have Stephon Gilmore and, Logan and JC as our two main corners with JC in the slot and Jason McCourty, yeah, that's and unbelievable. McCourty playing free safety, and you just have like Jason McCourty and Jonathan Jones as guys you could just like toss in there. So since um, since you mentioned that Logan Ryan didn't make the NFL top one hundred, how many Patriots? I mean, what are we at? We're at. 55 right now? 58. 58, okay. So uh, how many Patriots yeah. between 58 and 1 make the list? I say 2. Joe Tooney is going to be somewhere around, or should be at least. You never really know what these things. I think he should be somewhere around like the top 40-ish, somewhere in there. So he might be coming up. He'll probably be announced tonight, Joe Thune, because they're going to 41 tonight. I think he'll get announced tonight. And then I think Gilmore really definitely going to end up in the Gilmore's top Gilmore's going to make 10. it? <laughs> I think Gilmore's definitely going to end up in the top 10. I'll say maybe 7 or 8. That was a little rude. I apologize. Adam, what about you? I uh, I, I agree with Dan with the two players he selected. I was hoping McCordy might be able to sneak on, but as this list goes down and down, I'm starting to think McCordy yeah. might be off. But I'm thinking Thune's going to end up somewhere between like the 30 to 40 range, like Dan mentioned. And with uh, Gilmore, I think he'll be somewhere within the 10 to 20 range because they're going to give him one of the top defensive spots. But I don't know if they'll give him the best defensive player of the league because they always they always mm-hmm. neck Aaron Donald and give him the number one spot. So yeah. I'd say Gilmore might end up at like 15 or something. But that'll be he'll be the number one corner definitely, but he'll probably be like one of the top three defensive players. Be. I think as this list has gone on, I just think that Tony's chances of making the list are just getting. Like or worse and worse, and it's yeah. kind of sad. I know. I just do. I know we talked about this before the podcast. I am very surprised that we have not seen Julian Edelman's name on this list yet. If Julian Edelman is not, we've seen Larry Fitzgerald. If Julian Edelman is not on this list. I call complete bullshit, and this will be the biggest waste of three hours of my entire week because I watched. Well, we actually told him what, like twelve hours. It's going to be the biggest waste of yeah. my time. Edelman deserves to be on the NFL Top 100. I'm going to go. I think Devin McCourty definitely deserves to be on that list. I think Devin McCourty will oh, crack it. Oh, he does, 100%. It. So I think McCourty will crack it. And then I think, I think obviously, Gilmore. I think Gilmore will end up being number 10. I just think that the season he had last year. And I do think, Adam, I think you're right, too. I think Aaron Donald will be ahead of Gilmore. And I think Aaron Donald will crack that top five, maybe six. Uh-huh. Um, before we end this podcast, who who do you guys think is going to be top five? I think that's a little interesting. I mean, if you guys have an answer, right, or so, are you guys ready, or do you guys want to touch on that next time or next podcast? I can give you a player. I'll give you one player. Yeah, Mahomes is number one. I mean, he has to be, and then I think Donald's going to be number two because of what Adam said before. They're always going to put him super high. McCaffrey is going to be definitely in there. I don't think McCaffrey um, tops top five. Solely based on, really? I think that they, I think he might be five. I think that they rig running backs on that list because wasn't it? I want to say two years ago, 
wasn't Gurley sick, but they like that was when the Gurley yeah. hype train was real, and he was. Mm-hmm. I think he it was like eight. Yeah, something nine. like that. So I don't really know if McCaffrey would touch top five. I think Michael Thomas will be top five. Yeah, I think I don't. I definitely don't think is deserved, but I'm just making. So I think it'll be Mahomes one, Donald two, 100. percent I think McCaffrey will be like five. Maybe um, Michael Thomas, Thomas will be maybe, three. Thomas maybe two. I don't know that. You guys are forgetting great. about someone, dude. He shouldn't be. You guys haven't mentioned Sony Michelle yet. Four. Sony Michelle is up there somewhere, dude. Come on. Give dude, him Sony somewhere Michelle, in the top five. Sony they're going oh, to put Russell Wilson in the top five. He'll he'll make the top five over McCaffrey. Sony Michelle will be top five for foot surgery. <laughs> Biggest bust. So I, before we get into a Sony Michelle discussion, I do not want to break Adam's heart anymore. <sighs> thank you, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and hopefully we will be back with another podcast next week.